You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. Week 10 is in the books in the college football landscape, and we finally learned a very valuable lesson. We cannot afford to put all of our faith in Bo Nix. We, we finally we were. Now. I, I feel like we were finally ready to just throw caution to the wind, uh, you know, not worried about getting hurt again, putting all of our faith in, in the kid. But, uh, Great performance by Texas A&M's defense and uh, limiting Auburn to just three points in a 20 to three victory where Bonex did uh, not look super. Yeah. Texas A&M really controlled the game defensively. The front four looked phenomenal really. And uh, run, 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 run. That's all you need to do if you're Texas A&M. And that seemed to pay off. Pretty big for them, uh, 217 yards on 35 carries, good for 6.2 yards per carry. The combo uh, in the backfield really getting it done and taking the pressure off of Calzada. Auburn never really got anything going. Defense played pretty well, but again, when your offense is doing nothing, Bo Nix has an interception. On this, is, I mean, this is a Bo Nix stat line. This is what yeah. we used to. Twenty of forty-one, hundred fifty-three yards in an interception. That is exactly what we expect from him. Um, and the turnovers uh, were just killer. And like you said, Auburn's defense played pretty damn well too. Just giving up four field goals. The only touchdown in this game was a fumble return for A and M. Um, so. The defenses showed out, the offenses not so much. Um, but again, with with the way that Auburn had been playing, you would have hoped for a little more from Tank Bigsby, certainly from Bo Nix. Um, but AM again has a roster loaded with four and five star recruits. Um, quarterback play notwithstanding, they are right up there with anyone else in the the conference or country, uh, everywhere else on the field. And they certainly showed that this week and their reward as we'll talk about later is they get another ranked opponent, but that is just life in the sec West. It, it never stops, but that was the only ranked game from last week. We have quite a bit else noteworthy that happened. First and foremost, there is no one you want to see less as a top five team than the Purdue Boilermakers that rang true. Again on Saturday, knocking off previously unbeaten Michigan State and, and likely knocking the Spartans out of the top four of the college football playoff rankings. We'll find out as we're recording this. But 40-29 to 29 win for Purdue. Um, another strong victory for Jeff Brum's group over a top five team, but complete opposite from the Iowa game. Uh, they were a lot more effective offensively, Purdue was, in this one. Yeah, O'Connell going for 536 yards, looking like vintage Drew Brees back there, uh, just throwing up absolute bombs. Really no run game, and it didn't matter. David Bell was superb yet again on the outside, 11 catches for 217 yards and a score. And, I mean, Michigan State never really felt like they could keep up once Purdue took the two-touchdown lead. I know they did tie it at 21, but... Boilermakers just took control from that point, outscoring uh, 19 to 8 as typical football numbers there. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Uh, It's easy to look back in retrospect, too, and say 
Michigan State might have been on borrowed time a little bit, playing with house money, whatever cliche you want to use. They had yeah. been uh, skirting by a little week after week, although last week they did finally get kind of that impressive victory over Michigan, although it was kind of by the skin of their teeth. Purdue just continues to have the number of ranked teams and uh, looks very, very mortal against everyone else. Um, but yep. it's a combination that's working. They are now bowl eligible. So tip of the cap to them. Um, and oh no, who's next? Ohio State. So Buckeyes beware. Uh, could Grim be Reaper Purdue coming through. Here. I mean, stranger things have happened, certainly. It's true. I think also, they would have to, Purdue would have to go to the top of the list, though, as the most uh, confusing team in the country if they could beat Ohio State over Stanford. Oh, they're up there. Yeah. I, I mean, Illinois has entered the chat as well. Yeah. Illinois and last week's opponent, Minnesota, both opposite ends of bewilderment. Yeah. PJ Fleck just all time grift. It was right after the, the ink isn't even dry on the extension. Just drops a stinker, fourteen to six to Illinois. Uh, but bag secured. You do you. Um, I mean, th- this is the reason you want to stay in the Big Ten West for more opportunities to play the likes of Illinois. Uh, but mm-hmm. you you have to win those games at least. And this and the Bowling Green loss just Minnesota season continues to make absolutely no sense. As before this, they were in complete control of. Uh, their own destiny in the Big Ten West, and then have to go out and turn in a performance like this. Yeah, right. Right as I was talking about how they have the the road to the Big Ten title game pretty well set, they go out do this, and now all of a sudden Wisconsin looks like the team we thought they would be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, shout out Rutger for helping them find their groove back. Yeah. Um, Pray for me this weekend. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kick, Indiana versus <laughs> Rutger. Uh, my body is not ready, but that's that's something to look forward to. But, yeah, uh, Wisconsin looks as lethal as they possibly can right now, uh, back-to-back, or, I mean, really three in a row strong Big Ten wins, starting with Purdue and then Iowa and an absolute shellacking of the mighty Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Um, that's the mm-hmm. season finale, the regular season finale, Wisconsin, Minnesota could be for the division. So hope is not lost, but going out of your way to make life more difficult for yourself. It feels like so. Yeah. Not great. Also free falling, just obligatory mention Rocky top knocking off Kentucky, Kentucky, the 11 and one dream seems so far in the past. Um, <laughs> I like Tennessee looks a lot more lively than they have um, in a while. I think a lot of the credit goes to Josh Heupel there um, kind of for reinvigorating the program, but like Kentucky showed up as much as one possibly can against Georgia did not show up against Mississippi state did not show up defensively against Tennessee. And I mean, after the Georgia game, I, I was I was sure the eleven and one dream was still alive. And looking at the remainder of the schedule, now I'm not so sure about Louisville. I'm pretty sure about Vanderbilt and New Mexico State, but this could turn into a just an eight win team very quickly. Still a successful season for Kentucky football, but it's one of those things where you see where they could have been versus where they end up. Like 
New Year's Six is is off the table pretty much at this point. Yeah, it's a tough fall from grace, as you mentioned. Eleven and one seemed like I don't know. I want to say within reach, but it seemed realistic. Re- yeah, it realistic. Was, I think was, is the biggest thing. Yeah, and uh, now obviously that dream is dead. And I don't mean to laugh in the, the face of Kentucky fan, or I guess the ears of Kentucky fans, but it's hard not to at this point. Um, yeah, cut, good win for Tennessee. The offense, like, I, I saw many tweets about it on Saturday night, but it was the truth. Like, Tennessee's offense is just fun to watch now. It's completely different from what it used to be. And uh, it, feel, it feels like the days of Josh Dobbs when this, these Tennessee teams were at least more relevant. Yeah. Butch Jones, Mike DeBoard, um, going all the way now to Josh Heupel. It's very night and day difference. And, you can tell he's an offensive-minded coach, and it it certainly makes for more entertaining football. Um, and yeah, it's it's where you want to be as a Tennessee fan, um, entertaining mm-hmm. games that don't make you want to claw your eyes out as much of the Jeremy Pruitt era did. So, tip of the cap to Rocky Top. Um, and speaking of coaching changes, actually, so as I said, Week Ten just finished. We have already completed one stop on the coaching carousel, which is a little remarkable and unorthodox, but Texas Tech is already off the market uh, for a new coach. A guy rumored to be getting looked at by both Texas schools, uh, trailer at UTSA, signed an extension, so pulling himself out of the running. Uh, Texas Tech ends up poaching Joey McGuire, Associate head coach from Dave Aranda at Baylor had started his career there under Matt Rule. Before that, 13 years as a head coach in Friday Night Lights at Cedar Hill in Texas. Uh, Three-time state champ, 141 total wins. Very well connected in the state, hitting the ground running on the recruiting trail. All the reactions coming out of this seem like this is a, a very good hire for the Red Raiders. Where, stop me if you've heard that before. Um, I think Never. this one's different, though. This one's a bit different in terms of just, like, what, what they're going for and the connections he has. It, it was talked about, I mean, who the reporter, whoever it was, in Cliff Kingsbury's last year at Tech, opening season, uh, or start of the season press conference, where he says, you know, there's however many thousand high schools in the state of Texas. Each team has 11 guys they play on defense. There's, you know, tens of thousands of kids you can recruit from in the state of Texas. How can you not find 11 that are NCAA capable to play in the Big 12 to play on your defense and stop somebody? That has literally been the question at Texas Tech since Mike Leach left. When will you find anyone that is capable of playing defense? And I think we've seen success this year from Oklahoma State going defense first. Texas Tech needs to take that kind of approach, I would say, in order to uh, speed up their bounce back to to relevance in the Big 12. But connections within the state are are crucial to start. And I think if they can start uh, pulling in counted players, the success has to come with it. Yeah, already at a disadvantage trying to get recruits to go to Lubbock um, versus some of the other spots in the big 12. And I think that was a big part of the motivation to 
get him in midseason. So you can already start hitting the recruiting trail. Like literally his first day, he was able to bring in three more recruits um, to a class that started the day with just nine commitments and ranked number 74 overall in the country, not where you want to be if you want to compete in the upper echelon of the Big 12. Um, it does help that all three come from his former high school where he used to coach, Cedar Hill. Uh, but it right. is connections like that that are going to give him a leg up. It, it doesn't hurt having uh, a pipeline to a Texas power. And, you know, just recruiting the state, especially kind of the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, is definitely going to be a priority considering the number of five stars, blue chippers that come out of there um, each and every class. So the talent is there. Is as has been readily available. It's been head scratching at times how bad the defenses have been for some big 12 schools with all of the talent readily available in the area. So McGuire is being tasked with finding it. Um, good start so far. And I mean, now there's really no competition for coaches between in-state foes, Texas Tech, and TCU, potentially right. opening the door for, for Sonny Dykes or others um, for, for TCU to swoop in there. But I can't imagine they'll do that before the season's over. No, it, it seems unlikely. Uh, they And they don't need to make the move as quickly as Texas Tech did. And honestly, I don't even think Texas Tech needed to make it as quickly as they did. But uh, your point certainly lands and stands. Like, I, recruiting is hard at Texas Tech. Lubbock is not the most desirable place. TCU, on the other hand, is in a significantly better location, great proximity to Dallas. They obviously are in Fort Worth, so they are right there. Um, that It's night and day difference in terms of what you need to do there when you're recruiting. Yeah. So that, I mean, just shockingly early ends to uh, coaching carousel, um, but you can understand the motivation certainly. And uh, Texas tech still has an opportunity to become bowl eligible this year under an interim coach. But as we talked about in weeks past, the schedule down the stretch is not very friendly. So that, could be a tall task to get that sixth win. Mm -hmm. TCU, though, did get a win over Baylor last week. Um, so the, so they, they win it for Gare, um, sort of sort of thing. But yeah. uh, those Baylor Bears will now play host to Oklahoma. Oklahoma in the initial college football playoff rankings were a little surprisingly eighth despite being undefeated, but... I mean, it's, it's the same kind of treatment we've seen group of five schools get all the time. You know, you're undefeated, but what have you done for me lately? Um, who have you beaten? Pretty much no one impressively. But yeah, now an opportunity for what would probably be their most impressive win if they're able to get a road win at Baylor. Do you see that happening? I'm going to take the Bears. I think it's going to be a close game. Um Home field certainly matters in this scenario. Definitely a bit of a look ahead last week for Baylor um, with TCU, and, and it's easy to understand why. The concern you have is if this becomes a shootout, I don't know that Baylor is equipped to play that game. Caleb Williams has been very good since taking over the starting job in Oklahoma. 
Um, offense has been playing better. Defense, obviously terrible still. Baylor concerns me a little bit offensively, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to take Baylor. I think they uh, they have enough in the tank on both sides of the ball to keep this from getting to a shootout, and if it does, to be able to uh, overcome that. Uh, against my maybe better judgment, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Uh, I I think offensively, they're going to be too strong for even a Dave Aranda defense to be able to slow down enough. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a pretty good chance it turns into a shootout because Oklahoma's defense is still nothing to write home about. And, and that's why it was a little interesting to me that you saw reports about Alex Grinch potentially getting looks about uh, at like head coaching jobs strikes me a lot as uh team's taking a look at Greg Schiano when he was at Ohio state and giving up 55 points to Iowa. Um, but be that as it may, I think, I think Caleb Williams offensively is going to be too much for Baylor. And I think Oklahoma is able to eke this one out. And I think, this is the type of win that would really help them in the eyes of the committee if they're able to get it. Um, very much legitimize their season um, at this late stage, which kind of odd to be talking about a first win to really do that for a team like Oklahoma, but that is where we find ourselves. It is. Um, you know, sometimes it takes 10 wins to convince us, and that is where Oklahoma stands. A&M, as we've said, another ranked opponent. It is the lane train coming back for more. Been a lot of fun matchups in the SEC West this year as, as we see the teams round robin with each other. A&M going to be full of adrenaline coming off a big win over Auburn, traveling to Oxford. Who do you see coming out on top here? I like Ole Miss. Um, They looked great in the first half against Liberty. Second half really let their foot off the gas. But I think, you know, the offense hasn't been playing as well as we have seen earlier this season. They they just haven't been putting up the points we expect. Texas A&M's defense needs to lock in like they did last week. Granted, Matt Corral is a completely different beast than Bo Nix's. The run game is crucial in this for each team. Whoever can establish the run will win the ball game. Um, And I I think Ole Miss is better suited to do that. Ole Miss did that immediately against Liberty for the second play from scrimmage. Um, And yeah, very impressive first half, second half, not so much, but they were at least able to prevent a backdoor cover. So can take some solace there. Defense making a a statement at the end there. Uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss as well. I'm, I'm still... Despite a lot of mounting evidence to the contrary, I'm still having a little bit of trouble trusting A&M. Um, I, think, I think their defense is exceptional. I think the run game is very good and will have a lot of success against Ole Miss. But I don't think the defense is good enough to keep a team like Ole Miss down, a guy like Matt Carell down uh, for an entire afternoon. I, I think very different proposition than going up against uh, Bo Nix, though we love him so much. Uh, I yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Ole Miss here by at least a touchdown. Over to the Big Ten, Michigan, Penn State, uh, two teams that have seen their lights dim just a little bit um, compared to how the season started off. 
This will be in Happy Valley. They are doing a uh, a helmet game layout um, in the stands, which is essentially a whiteout, but with one thin black stripe. But I think they just wanted an excuse to do another whiteout. Mm-hmm. Who do you like here? This one was really tough. I uh, I went back and forward on it right up until the end. I I'm going Michigan against better judgment. It, it's tough. Penn State has no run game this season. They they have failed to get it together. Michigan defensively has been very solid against the run. Sands the Michigan State game where Kenneth Walker was Kenneth Walker and just dominated. Um, Cade McNamara has been playing better, and Sean Clifford is still not a hundred percent and. When he is forced to do everything, it makes it significantly tougher on this Penn State offense. I don't think there are a lot of points in this game. I think it's going to be pretty ugly, but I'm going to take Michigan in a very tight one. I think you can almost just throw out uh, games facing Kenneth Walker as outliers um, when evaluating run defenses because he has just been – so consistent each and every week, even in a loss last week to Purdue, he was yeah. very, very productive once again, scoring a touchdown and a great run bouncing to the outside on fourth down play. I, th- I think I got to go Penn State at home. I think we're going to see a game very similar to what we saw earlier in the year against Auburn, um, a defensive struggle against a, a quarterback that, has played well this season, but historically can be a little shaky. Um, and I think mm-hmm. Penn State's secondary is very much going to be up to the task here. Um, I I think the key is obviously going to be if Penn State can get anything going in the run game. We don't want to see Sean Clifford have to throw the ball 50-plus times again. That's not going to be a recipe for success. Um, but I think the defense will be up to task and Penn State will win this most likely in a low scoring game. I, I agree low scoring. I I just find I, I don't know where either team's gonna score. I genuinely don't. Life finds a way. Um it's I mean that that's the truly impossible thing to predict where the points will come from, but yeah. They have to from somewhere. Uh defense and special teams, always an option. Lastly, Kenneth Walker's former team, who do not seem to be struggling too much without him this year, Wake Forest, at home, NC State. uh, Wake Forest losing their undefeated record um, last week in a a thriller against UNC, losing 58-55. Defense non-existent. They should probably try playing some this week, as, as Leary from... NC State is having a, a very under-the-radar excellent season, um, but you think Wake bounces back or losing streak goes to two games? I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they bounce back, uh, mainly because of the fact that they they just score so much and so easily. Um, it, they're, they're a fun offense to watch. They are a nauseating defense to watch unless you are playing them. I think we're going to see points again in this game, something in the 40s, and I think Wake can win it this time. It's going to be a shootout. Uh, it's it's weird. I like Wake is like Oklahoma, but fun, which is is very weird to, yeah. to try to wrap your mind around. But that's that's kind of just the the emotions I get 
watching each of those teams. Like it's never enjoyable with Oklahoma. It always seems to be at least this year uh, for Wake Forest, but you almost felt like North Carolina was finally going to have some kind of game like that at some point in the season to be like, Hey, there was a reason we were ranked top five preseason. Uh, We've still got plenty of talent on the roster. Um, Even if it's not going to be relying on Sam Howell in the passing game, we can still run the ball effectively well as they did against Wake Forest. But I'm not going to penalize the Demon Deacons too much for that. Um, I I think they're going to bounce back with a win here, but I'm with you. The the defense on both sides is probably going to be optional. Uh, Sam Hartman is going to continue the excellent season. He is having five more touchdowns through the air, two more on the ground last week. Um, it's probably going to be hurt in the Heisman race just because Wake Forest is no longer undefeated, but I think he'll put forth another Sterling performance and, uh, and get Wake the win here. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm taking Sam Hartman. I, that, that's it, plain and simple. That will do it for us um, this week. We've got the spread option coming up uh, later in the week for these games and many, many more, as is tradition. Um, via a juicy week 11 slate. And since we are going to wrap this up before they release the new CFP playoff rankings, I just want to say, put Cincinnati in, you cowards, please. Um, And with that, we will see you next week.